And uh, then in the end, I started to find God say, I want, to, I want to father you. I want to heal your broken heart. I want to bring revelation. There's no human person can meet the needs you have. I'm the only one who can do it. And so more recently, I've seen a growing need globally everywhere. There's an awareness of the lack of fathers and the need for fathering and how systems uh, offer the hope that maybe we'll be fathered, but never deliver. That's probably how it really is. And so I, I've, I've been in many situations, I've worked in movements and things and led movements and been so, so I know how it all works. But what I have observed in it all is the cry everywhere is for fathering. And I believe that God is restoring apostles and the apostolic ministry of fathering, which actually develops people to maturity by building proper father-son relationship and releases the giftings of God. So, so this is the generation where God is releasing that, and it comes at a time globally when there's such a, a, a breakdown of families and, and a, like an orphan mentality everywhere, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. The Western <coughs> culture has literally broken down from its values. And so we're in a great hour, and if you're at whatever age you are, make it a pursuit to discover God as a loving father, to discover who he is. I was going to share a message tonight that'll shift some thinking around what God is like, uh, because we need revelation. And uh, in my last year, I've seen more things now than I've seen in so long. And I made the decision to connect to another apostle to catalyze me to come up another level. So I had to overcome the feelings that many of you would have had where you've been disappointed by someone. It's not your final resting place. You move on. You resolve it and you grow and you become a bigger person through those difficulties. And uh, so for example, I need to get on the message. For example, if you have a look at David and his wife, Michael, who are deeply in love, they both suffered injustice under the system of Saul. Both of them suffered deep injustice rejection and abandonment and abuse. David was rejected. They saw, sought to kill him, to murder him. And he walked through a very hard time where even the people he became friends with were killed. An incredibly difficult situation, driven out of his homeland, trying to find refuge, pretending he's mad, going through all kinds of trouble. His wife, uh, she loved him deeply, the Bible says. And what happened to her was he, her, her father forced her to marry another man while David, her husband, still alive. You understand if you're in love with someone and then he's taken away or chased away and you're forced to marry someone, imagine the pain and the suffering she went through longing for David to rescue her, the great hero who slew Goliath, and he never came. So when finally God's plan comes to fruition and David ascends to the throne, the first thing he does is bring his wife to him. And you find, here's the interesting thing. And I just give it to you as a challenge. I felt the Holy Spirit quicken this. David had embraced the transformation process of his father in heaven. When he came to the throne, he was able to bring in a move of God. His wife, who became bitter and never let God change her or transform her, she looked through the window at the revival and never entered it. This was the highlight in her life, and she's not able to enter any of it. She couldn't enter into the revival. She was spiritually barren. She couldn't enter into a relationship with her husband. She was bitter and scorned him and despised him. 
And the result is she was barren. She couldn't enter into motherhood. <coughs> and then when she did eventually care for someone else's children, they were all eventually hanged. So, so notice two lives in the journey of suffering under something that was not working properly, that was anti. It started off in the spirit, ended in the flesh. One came out a king anointed, the other come out bitter and barren. The difference is the choices made in the hard time. And so whatever we walk through, face, no matter what injustice, you gotta see God is bigger than it and is using it to grow you to where he wants you to get. If you can get God's perspective and let him do in your heart what needs to be done, you will emerge. So, so David did it, his wife didn't. And you'll see people in the Bible, some did, some didn't. Joseph, when he met his brothers, he said, you guys meant that for evil, and it was evil. But I see that God had his hand over it all to use the whole process to prepare me to become someone who can help you. Do you want to become someone who's the answer to the problems? Let God take you through the process. Anyway. Okay, let's talk about yielding to the Holy Ghost. So, because the Bible says those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit. So I want to talk about yielding to the Holy Ghost. And since I haven't got time to do the whole thing, what I'm going to do is I'll give you the key points. Then I'll pick up maybe one or two and develop them. So how about that? And then I've got 15 minutes left, okay? So uh, the Bible's very clear that Jesus' ministry began. His life began under the power of the Holy Ghost. His ministry he was led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on him and empowered him to ministry. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father and the center of our sonship. So how can you grow into sonship if you ignore the Holy Spirit? How can you actually fulfill your assignment if you ignore the Holy Spirit? If we cut the Holy Spirit out of our life and, and don't actually develop a deep dependency on Him, how are we going to become who we're called to become? How are we going to fulfill our assignments? Jesus was led. That means He surrendered to the Holy Spirit's influence and allowed Him to tell him what to do day by day and to direct the flow of ministry. Doesn't mean he didn't have a plan, he had a plan, but he was led by the Spirit. And so I wanna just talk about that and, give, and I wanna share five commands that are given related to the Holy Spirit. I'll just identify the commands and I'll pick up perhaps one or two of them and then we'll get to pray for people. So here are some commands related to the Holy Spirit. Some commands. Number one, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So whenever you see a command like that, when it's given as a command, it's because we're likely to do the very thing we're commanded not to do. So that's why it's put as a command. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. See, so don't grieve the Spirit of God. So here's some things you could ask. Uh, here's a question. Well, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? What happens when I grieve the Holy Spirit? And how do I grieve the Holy Spirit? And if I've grieved the Holy Spirit, how do I put it right? Learn when you're looking at the Word of God to ask questions. Question the Word. Question constantly. Here's another scripture that the Bible tells us. It said, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, don't quench the Holy Spirit. So that means, one, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Two, the Holy Spirit can be quenched. So we tend to think like this. We think, well, God is God. He can do anything He likes. He could, but He's chosen not to. He's chosen to work with human cooperation. So don't grieve the one who came to help. Yeah. Don't quench the one who came to help. So that raises these questions then. Then what does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? How do I quench the Holy Spirit? And if I've been doing that, how do I stop doing that and flow with Him? 
I'm not going to answer all the questions. I haven't got the time to. But give, put the questions for you to think, and I'll answer some of them. I'll just answer some of them. I'm teasing you. But if I don't give you all the things, you're, you're going to get unhappy. Because <laughs> so, uh, I know if someone starts off and they say, I've got five things to tell you, and they tell you one, I'm thinking, oh, 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 oh give me the others. Oh, wait. Okay, here's another one, a, a clear command. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine or is excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So how do I get filled and how do I stay filled? What kinds of things can I do to be filled? And if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, how will that affect me? Very. See, I think if you ask the questions, it'll cause you to lean in to learn from God and be taught by God. Right. Here's another one. Here's another great command. And I'll, I'll develop one or two of these. We'll just see how far we go. Here's another one. Stir up the gift of the Spirit. Stir up the 2 Timothy, and uh, 2 Timothy, it tells us in chapter 1, verse 6, stir up the gift of God, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, given us a spirit of power and love of our mind. So you can stir that gift. So he may have been talking about a specific gift of the Spirit, but I reckon it's actually the gift that he was given, the Holy Ghost. Stir up and activate into life the anointing that God put upon your life. So that raises some questions. If it needs to be stirred up, that means it can become dormant. How does it become dormant? And how can I stir up the gift of God so it becomes activated in my life? So say, you need to ask questions. Then when you ask questions, you'll start to find the answers will come. Most people look very superficially. And here's the last command that I believe, which is not put as a command, but I believe it is a command because it's certainly, if I want to be a son of God, I need to be led by the Spirit of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God, guided, directed, learn to surrender their life to his process and what he wants to take you into. I find a lot of people are complainers, whiners. God takes them into challenging situations to grow them. They complain about it. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring us into just, oh, glory. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is committed to raise you as a son. He is the tutor given to mature you. And maturity requires you have some difficulties and challenges that you overcome. I was reading a book recently, and it's talked about the lawnmower generation of a whole group of parents in current times who try to protect their kids from every kind of little difficulty and inconvenience, and in doing so, raise spoiled brats who are hopeless. And the whole point of the book was, there are some difficulties which are necessary for us to grow to maturity. So have you thought that God might lead you into difficulties so he could grow you? And that maybe the difficulties you're facing, you're being led by the Spirit into them? Yeah. You see, see, I had to get a rethink on this one. Because when I was in difficulty, I just cried and bleated like a wounded person, you know. And, I, and God rebuked me for it. He said, I'm not committed to your comfort. I'm committed to your character. Wow. <laughs> Why did no one tell me that? See, so, so, so there's so there's some commands that are given in relationship to the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to just pick up then and just, uh, uh, since if we want to walk with the Spirit of God, I guess the first thing is don't grieve Him. Grieving has to do with your lifestyle, your character, how you live in relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I want to just open that up and show you just a few simple things and then answer the questions that we asked. Because I found it's the way I think probably because I was trained in, in physics, and I think that way, I ask questions of stuff, and I found when I do that with the things of the Spirit, God opens it up. 
In fact, even a moving in prophecy, as you're prophesying, if you ask questions, God gives you more details. Uh, anyway, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, here it is. And uh, we need to get the context of it because he's talking about our relationships with one another. So grieving the Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to grieve him? To grieve means to call, cause him a deep sorrow, to cause him to be in pain. Have you ever been in pain because someone really hurt you? Think about the time you were most hurt by someone and what you felt because you loved them and then they did something that really deeply hurt you. What did you feel? That's what the Holy Spirit feels when we grieve him. A deep sorrow, a deep sadness. So what happens when we grieve him is he draws back and our awareness of his presence is diminished. All we feel is an emptiness, a lack of the presence. You go to a meeting and now much is happening for you. Everyone else said, that was great, that was awesome. And you're thinking, yeah, you're right, nothing touched me. What's happened is I'm becoming aware I'm not near the spirit anymore. Something has changed in our relationship and I was too insensitive, I didn't notice. How many found that? You suddenly find yourself, hello, where are you, God? I, I seem to have missed you somewhere. Yeah. It, gets, it happens that way because we are insensitive. Now, I want to show you clearly out of this passage here, the context of it reveals exactly what grieves him. So if you have a look here, it says, um, uh, verse 25, Therefore, putting away lying, let everyone speak truth uh, with his neighbor. We're members of one another. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger or give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no longer give him labor. Working with his hands, he may do good. Have something to give to him in his need. And here it is. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good and necessary to edify and build up people and impart grace to those who listen to you. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now it continues on. Let bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, or arguments, evil speaking be put away also with all malice. And instead be kind to one another, tender hearted to one another, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. And there's no chapter division there. So therefore be imitators of God and walk in love. So you're getting an outline here of what grieves the Holy Spirit. And you know what grieves the Holy Spirit? There are two primary things that grieve him. There's different ways it shows up, but there's two primary things. One by one is mistreating people badly treating people. And number two is allowing uncleanness and defilement to come into our heart and life. Let's just look at it and you see it there very, very clearly. It's how you treat people. God, you think about this. If you have a child and someone mistreats them, now are you gonna feel nothing? Oh, little brat deserved that anyway. And you're not gonna think that at all. You're gonna get very upset. Who are you upset at? You're upset with the person who's mistreating your child then why would we think God's different? Why would, you think God, why would you think that you can treat people in the church, believers, whether they're this church, any church, whether you can actually backstab them, bite them, talk about them, criticize them, gossip them, slander them, steal from them, lie to them, cheat on them. How, how come you think you can do those things and it doesn't affect the Holy Spirit? That's what he's saying. He's saying how you treat people deeply impacts your relationship with God. That's why it says in 1 John, how can you say you love God you don't see when you don't love the people he's put right in front of you? 
In other words, he's saying, if you, if you hurt the people around you by your intentional actions and words and neglect, you will grieve the Spirit of God. Hmm. Quite simple, isn't it? So what, what he's saying is, and then he, then he says, I'll put it another way. He says, don't let bitterness get in your heart. Don't let anger and hatred get in your heart. Don't, don't plan revenge on people. Yeah. And he says, no, wait a minute, I'm gonna put it a different way. That's the don'ts. Here's what you need to do. Be kind, <laughs> kind, yeah. be kind. Yeah. That's the first one, being kind. Why be kind? Because God is kind to people, but they don't deserve it. Yeah. Well, that's the point. <laughs> It's not about whether they deserve it. Kindness is what God is like. If you are kind, you are acting like God acts to people. And if you're kind to people who are miserable, mean people, then you are like your father. So you're doing it not because they deserve it. You see, that's the way of the world. That's a, that's a wrong thinking. Well, I give him, he deserves it. This one, no, 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 move on. You know, now you see, that's how the world thinks. Categorize people, deserving, not deserving. Yeah, right. And if they're deserving, I give. If they're not deserving, or it works also like this. He may be able to help me out. I'll be kind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't help me. I won't worry about it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, you understand, this is what it's talking about, how you treat people. God, he says, be kind. Be tender-hearted. Yeah. Now, man, it's okay to be tender-hearted. Right. David, the greatest warrior had the most tender heart. God said, he's a man after my heart. He has a passion to know my emotions and my heart and seek to be intimate with me. That is what a man looks like. It says in in the book of Proverbs, what's desirable in a man? Loving kindness. You don't hear that in today's culture. But loving kindness, why? Because kindness is attractive. God attracts people with kindness. Yeah. I, I was on a, on a cruise ship a little while back and we went to some kind of game show and there, which I hate down to those things. Yeah, we, Joyce said, I want to go down there. Anyway, they, had, they did some stuff on marriages and finally in the end they came over and we got caught up onto the stage, which I didn't really want to do. You know, I'm okay here doing stuff with God, but that kind of stuff is not me. Anyway, I'm up on the stage and they got us with the older couple, been married so many years, you know, and they got a younger couple. And then they said, now, have you got some words of advice for the younger couple? And I thought, okay, you've asked for us. He said, how long have you been married? And I said, 37 years or something like that. And uh, he said, uh, what, what advice would you give to them to help them? And I said, here it is. Here's some, be kind to one another. And the guy's jaw dropped open. <laughs> he just dropped open. He said, I've been doing this for years. I've never heard anyone ever say that before. I said, well, it works. Being kind works. Isn't it incredible? I'd heard some of the other answers that other people come up with. I thought, oh, you're stupid. <laughs> you, you, silly things. Like, well, whatever the wife wants, give it to her. I think, how's that going to work? Man, oh, man. So I gave him some, gave him straight, here it is, it's straight out of the Bible. Be kind, tender-hearted. Oh, and forgiving. Forgiving. Rather than being offended. We've got a generation growing up being offended. Probably some of you are offended. Yeah. And you can tell you're offended because there's a wall comes in the heart. And when we're offended with people, then it's offensive to God. He's a forgiving God. It's an affront to him. I forgave you so much and you're so uptight about such a little thing. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, grow up. <laughs> Get bigger. Yeah. 
See, see develop, so, so the revelation of God and seeing what he is like, we're called to be like him. And you've got to get out of this thing. They don't deserve it, but they don't deserve it. You know, they treated me so badly, they don't deserve it. Well, listen, are you going to be defined by what others do? Or will you be defined by what God says I am? If I'm being formed in the image of God, then I am a kind person. So kindness is normal. Unkindness is unnatural and grieves the spirit. If I love the Holy Spirit, I don't want to upset him. He says, kind, tender, heart of forgiving one another. And he says, now I've got to put it another way. He says, walk in love as Christ walked in love. So you notice saying the example is Jesus. He's the son and he was kind to people and forgiving people and tender hearted to people and compassionate with people because that's what God is like. And he came to show what God is like. And, and it's called in one statement, walking in love. So walk in love like Christ did. Forgive like Jesus forgave you. See, it's really some, because if you don't do that, you're gonna upset the Holy Ghost and you need him. If you've upset him, how are you going to find your way? Yeah. If you've upset him, how are you going to power when you minister? You come to pray with someone, immediately you remember you've upset him. Yeah, that's right. God. <laughs> so then you go into goofy mode and pray long religious prayers. Oh, Father. <laughs> Useless prayers and no power. Yeah. No, there's no. Okay. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. You getting that? Okay, I've got a couple of minutes and I get the, I'll, do, I'll do one more. Don't quench the Holy Ghost. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So we saw grieving is about the words we speak, the way we treat people, and it's about uncleanness and defilement. So you can read all those scriptures there. I'll go on to the next one in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So the first thing we realize, you can quench the Holy Spirit. So grieving the Holy Spirit has to do with character. There are many mighty men of God who don't grieve the Spirit, but they quench Him. Grieving has to do with your character and your relationships. Quenching has to do with surrender for the power of God to flow. So it's a different deal. So what does it mean to quench? To quench means literally this kind of thing. It means there's a fire going and you throw the wet blanket on it. You ever seen someone like that? You come, hey, why don't we do this? And there's just a wet blanket thrown on it. You come away thinking, oh, man, that was awful. I thought we had a great idea here and someone's wet blanketed it. That it, 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 what it means is to extinguish something that was burning. So when God wants to move and minister, then what we can do is extinguish or quench the Spirit of God. Another a description of it is to block the flow of God, to hinder or obstruct the flow of what God wants to do. Another word is to get a hose that's got water running in it and squeeze it so the water can't get through it. Yeah. You all know that one. So that's what quenching is like. The Holy Ghost is really there. He is really to pour out and touch people. <laughs> Time. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> See, so there's lots of ways we can quench the Holy Spirit. But you're getting the idea. I'm just giving you a hard time. So, but basically, some, some things that cause people to quench the Holy Spirit, I'll just give them quickly without talking too much about them. Here they are. Number one, fear. Fear is the big reason that people quench the Holy Spirit. They're just afraid. They're afraid if I let him move, what he might do. Well, that means you don't really know God too well. What you're really afraid of is offending people. So what are you going to do? Offend people or offend God? Which is it going to be? You can't keep both happy. It says that very clearly in Galatians 1 verse 10. It says, if I seek to please men, I cannot be the servant of God. So when we set our heart that we're going to please people and try not to offend them, we are going to upset God. 
will quench the Holy Spirit. See, quenching the Spirit of God has to do with the flow of his power to minister to needs. See, control comes out of control. Control means we're inflexible and rigid. We, we're set in what we want to do. It's my plan, and now God bless this plan. See, that, what, what you're doing. You know, I've had, as a pastor, you have people come to you, and they say, Pastor, I plan to do this. Want you, what do you think? Do you, what do you think? Do you reckon I should do it? And I think, why are you asking me that? You already decided you're going to do it. So if you've decided you're going to do it, you don't need me to say anything. So unless you surrender and be open to counsel, I'm not going to say anything. You just go do what you're going to do. If you want counsel, you need to be open to getting direction. Anyway, control. Control's a big one in churches because we get afraid of what might happen, afraid if we let the Holy Spirit go. So what I love is in the, in the Old Testament, uh, I can't develop this, but let me just share you one little hint out of the Old Testament. Ezekiel got a picture. Remember we got the picture of the river of God flowing out of the house of God? So now what he's seeing is he's seeing the move of the Spirit in terms of the language of how he understood God. In those days, God lived in the house. So the house of God was a building and water flowed out of the house. So what we understand, it's us, we're the temple and the anointing flows out of us. So what what did he see? He saw that if you stepped into the water, it was really little light and shallow, which is our first ability to flow in the Holy Spirit. But if you keep yielding to him, he tells you what happens, it gets deeper. Now you can stop anytime you like. But if you keep going, it gets deep, and then it gets a river so wide you begin to flow with what God is doing. And now people say, oh, that's scary. I want to be in control. Okay. You want to be in control? Stop the Holy Ghost then. All the thing God had planned for you won't come about because you didn't feel comfortable. Now, and in case you didn't know where it goes, God describes to him where it goes. See, see all those dry places that, that, that are really barren? They all come to life. And you see those people that are unsaved, they all get saved. So he's saying when the Spirit is given room to move, then lives are transformed. Now that's a magnificent picture in the Old Testament of the flow of the Spirit if you will yield to it. Our problem is we've had some bad models of flowing with the Holy Spirit where it's been actually ungoverned and chaotic. So I've learned that I can't go into this, but let me just give you just a little bit of framework around it. If you want to see God move, he requires you play your part. If you're the leader, you govern the spirit realm. You govern what's allowed to happen and what doesn't happen. That's different from controlling. That's ensuring there are safe boundaries for the river to flow. So a river that flows without banks creates chaos. But a river that has banks moves and brings blessing and refreshing. So the banks are not banks of control. Control is rooted in fear. The banks are banks of responsibility and fulfilling my assignment, which is to facilitate the move of God. Quenching the Holy Ghost. Quenching the Holy Ghost. So lots of ways. So people quench the Holy Ghost by tradition. They hold on to their method rather than giving God room to move. Now the methods today are quite... See, the church is in, in crisis in some respects because... The generation coming up is like nothing we've ever seen before. It's been media-oriented all the way along, and the church is still trying to operate in a certain way, not realizing the world around us is changing rapidly, rapidly, rapidly. Ignorance. We don't know how to move. The Bible tells us where to become aware of spiritual operations. So we need to be trained in the flow of the Spirit, how to work with the Spirit, how to move with the Spirit. Uh, Dishonor. When we dishonor or despise the Holy Spirit, when we despise immature expressions, it's, ah, yeah, yeah, 
that when we do that, we quench the Spirit of God. He stops flowing. We must welcome him, create the environment within which he can move. And then we straight out resist him because we're stubborn or when we're passive. It's, passivity looks like this. Someone comes up on the altar call. I say, what have you come for? Uh, I don't know, what, whatever God has for me. I'm thinking, that's so stupid. That, that is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Just stupid and ignorant. Now, so sometimes I say, now listen, if you went down to McDonald's and lined up at the counter, and when your turn came, someone said to you, what do you want? And you said, oh, whatever you feel I should have. Well, you either get nothing, they'll tell you, get out of here, go away and get your head clear. You know, come back when you know what you want. Or they'll say, okay, have we got a feed for you? <laughs> Now, actually, they tell you to get out of here and come back when you know what you want. So many times, Jesus asks people, what do you want? So, so the man who's crippled for 38 years, what did Jesus say to him? Now, he asked a question, a real simple question. Do you want to be made whole? Now, the answer is simple, yes or no. So what he tells him the victim story. So he's not even sure what he wants. You must know what you want. So when people come up and they say, just whatever God wants, I know they're going to get nothing. They get nothing because they're believing for nothing. Because they don't understand God requires your participation. He has designed the creation so man is given authority to represent God. You must cooperate and participate. You've got to put your part in in this deal. And if you don't put your part in this deal and remain passive, nothing happens. Usually it's rejection talking when people carry on like that or religious spirit. So don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit of God. Don't quench him. Give him room to move. Amen? Amen. Just before we go any further, I want you to have an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak to you in your own heart. How much do you value the Spirit of God in your life? Welcome him. Talk to him. Surrender to him. Consciously surrender and let go to him. How much are you doing that? Or do you not even think about that? Is he present in your life every day, but you never engage him and talk with him? You need to repent, talk with him now. He was given to help you. He's your tutor. He's the one sent to keep bringing revelation of the Father, to show you things to come, to teach you how to walk in ways that please Father. He's the one to empower you in ministry. How could you neglect him? He's so sweet and precious. He's so gentle, we can offend him easily. He's so powerful, he can cause the whole room to fall under his power. Yet he flows out of relationship drawing no attention to himself. Have you grieved the Holy Spirit? Are you grieving him at this stage in your life? The, the unforgiveness in your heart, the anger in your heart, the way you've spoken to people, the way you've treated people. Are there people and you realize, oh man, uh, that was harsh what I did. That was unnecessary what I did. You know what they did was wrong, but my reaction was bad. Just repent of it now. Just quickly put it right. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Holy Spirit touch me again. I wonder 
Perhaps you've grieved the Spirit. The issue is not so much character and the things you've been doing and what you've been exposed to. It's more that actually you've got such management control and such fear around your life. You want to run everything. You don't make any room for God to move. You make your plan, say, God bless my plan, rather than say, Holy Ghost, guide me as I begin to put things together. Help me, Lord, I bring this plan before you. What do you think? See, it's the Father's Spirit, and He will guide you and help you. But you've got to ask Him. He's not going to rule over you. How much room in your ministry do you make for the Holy Spirit? Can you stop and just let God move? Do you, if you're a pastor, are you building atmospheres where it's not just some music, it's actually an atmosphere where it's full of joy and praise and expectation for God and you allow yourself to enjoy that atmosphere? Are you learning how to build the atmospheres where the power of God can be manifest? Are you quenching God in various ways by trying to because of fear or perhaps you've just drawn back because you've been hurt and so instead when God is encouraging you to move out are you stirring the gift of God in your life or has it become dormant and passive see only you can answer those the Holy Spirit will help you right now if you need to repent just do it right now just quickly do it right now say God Holy Spirit Holy Spirit forgive me for the words I spoke that grieved you Forgive me for failing so frequently to just wait for you and listen to you. Forgive me, Holy Spirit, for where I've just gone on ahead or I've resisted what you wanted because I didn't really want to go there. I've just been like a mule rather than a horse that you could lead. Forgive me, Holy Spirit. Father, I want to yield to the Spirit you've given me. I want to yield to your Spirit Today, I present myself, my mind, my emotions, my thoughts, my ears, my eyes, my mouth, my countenance, my hands, my heart, my affections, my will, my walk, my time, I surrender to you. Holy Spirit, I want to encounter you. See, I can feel his presence on people right now. His presence is on people right now presence has come on people right now. Can I pray for you guys? Just come quickly, come up right there. Just come up, just come up here. Thank you, Lord. That's right. Just put your hand on my hand. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. The word that came as I, I looked at you before was restore, restoration. God said, I'm going to restore faith and courage. I'm going to restore vision. I put upon you a mantle to father a new generation. That mantle seems like it's contained, but I've been developing that. I've been developing your heart. I've been developing your passions. I've been developing your desires. I've been showing you how to do things. The Lord says in the days ahead, I will open up door after door after door after door after door. The doors will begin to swing open. You will be a carrier of a fresh wave of the Spirit of God. You will have sons and daughters in many different places. They won't just be in your own house. There'll be many sons and many daughters. The 
Spirit of God, the Spirit of fathering is coming upon you. I want to heal the wounds that have taken place. You've been wounded in the house of the uh, on the house of God. You've gone into prayer with people who wounded you and shattered your heart. The Lord says, I will heal you and I will raise you up. I will strengthen you. I will increase revelation of my fatherhood. I will impart into your life the spirit of fathering. And I put upon you the spirit of counsel and discerning of spirits. You will begin to operate in a whole new dimension. Whereas people, you just look at them and you see immediately what is going on in their life. You see the giftings and callings and you see the things that are holding them. God is going to open your eyes to see the assignments sent against people with destiny calls to shut them down, restrict them and limit them. And you will be known for one who moves sharply in discernment, sharply in a prophetic anointing. The Lord says, it's a new season. Don't be limited by what's happened. Don't be limited by the experiences you've had, but rather lift your eyes. There's a new day ahead for you. There's a new generation that you will minister into, younger ones that will look to you and you'll have words to guide them, words to speak into their heart, words to comfort, words to deliver and words to correct. The Lord says, I'm going to put a great joy in your heart. You've lost people that you invested in and broke your heart. But the Lord says, I have many more I'll add to you. Many more I'll add to you. These days ahead are going to be days filled with wonder as you see God has taken you through a season in the wilderness and is now launching you into a new season of ministry. Just as Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, you'll return in a flow of anointing. The Spirit of God is with you. Touch you right now, Lord. Let's release your power. Thank you, Lord. Father, we call them into a fresh anointing. Kirli, you're off to India. Let me just pray with you right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I want you to know that God has called you into the prophetic mantle. You have struggled to stand in it because of the way you've seen others in it and because of the concepts that you've been exposed to. But the Lord says, this is something I destined for you, like with Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, oh, but I'm too young. And he said, don't say you're too young. He said, before, you were, before I formed you in the womb, I chose you, ordained you to be a prophet to nations. I have not changed in this, says the Lord. I've called you to be a prophet into nations. Don't look for the current models. They don't represent what I have for you. I put inside you creativity that comes from me. It comes from heaven. It's unique to you. There will be no one else carry it like you carry it. I'm going to put boldness into your life and spirit, a new authority. In this coming trip, you will break out of that pressure you have experienced in the spirit for this last season. You will begin to step into the mantle in a whole new dimension. You'll find power flowing. You'll find confidence flowing. You'll find authority flowing. You'll find a boldness flowing. You will be amazed at yourself as you see uninhibitedly flowing in the river of God. I will bring words to you almost on the spot about people's lives and destinies. I, I will speak to you and give revelation. Messages that you have prepared will suddenly come alive and they'll have alterations and additions. And it's like you're just reframing how you're doing it and it's bringing a whole new life. The Lord said, I want to teach you how to relax and step into the flow. 
So much of the time, there's been a struggling. There's been fear because of the conflicts, the disappointments. But these are the shaping tools of my spirit. Instead of wrestling them, contending them, being frightened of them, just allow me to empower you in them, says the Lord. For I will break the reproach and the spirit of reproach, and I will cause honor to come upon you, says the Lord. Honor in places in this nation, honor in other nations. There's an anointing and mantle coming over you this day, says the Lord, of enlargement and increase. Father, touch you right now. Let that mantle honor right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Touch fire, fire. Let the fire of God come on her right now. Lord, I release your angels around her. Angelic encounters, a new dimension of the heavens being opened. You will write, you will write, you will write, you will write. It'll become like a river, says the Lord. You become known in nations because of the writing. But it's what you carry in the Spirit. Holy Ghost, come on her right now. Father, I release the power of the Holy Ghost. I come against the spirit of grief. I break the spirit of grief and anxiety. Loose in Jesus' name right now. Let it go. Now come upon the Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Spirit of God, come. Joy, acceleration. Amen. Praise the Lord. Bless you. Amen. Where's Andrew? Come on, Andrew. We pray for you. Thank you, Lord. There we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Touch him, Father. Touch him. Touch him. Put your hand on my hand. Just face around this way, sideways like this. I prefer it this way. That's the way. Thank you, Lord. I just like to connect with people as I'm just ministering. I, I just see a picture of a great furnace. It's called the furnace of affliction. And God put you right in that furnace. And you've wrestled. Oh, you have wrestled. You have wrestled. You have fought. You have shouted. You have shaken your fist. You've, you've gone through everything. But finally, you come to the place where you see, oh, this is the hand of God preparing me. The, the Lord wants you to know the latter days of your ministry will far excel the former days. The latter days of ministry will far excel the former days. I will cause you to forget the pain. I will cause you to forget the sorrows. I will cause you to become fruitful, says the Lord your God. This coming six months is a season of revelation, a season of encounter, a season of refreshing, a season of new vision coming around your life. There's going to come an intensity of hunger. There's going to come a passion and longing. And out of weakness, I will birth strength, says the Lord. You've cried like Paul cried, Lord, let this thing depart from me. The Lord said, my grace is demonstrated in weakness. And you're gonna to begin to see that the paradigms that you walked in, I will shatter all of them, says the Lord. I'm bringing you to new ministry paradigms. I'm bringing you into fatherhood. I'm bringing you into beyond the evangelistic mantle. I'm bringing you into an area of healing and restoration of broken lives. One who imparts hope and vision. The Lord says that all that the enemy has stolen, I will restore and more and more and more. The Lord says, I have great things planned ahead for you. My spirit comes upon you in this season in a whole new way. You have surrendered to the work of my spirit. And now says the Lord is the work of building. 
I have been dealing with pride. I've been dealing with wrong concepts. I've been dealing with wrong attachments. I've been stripping away all that can be stripped away. And now, says the Lord, is the season of entering into spring when new things begin to bud, when blossoms begin to come, when the signs of the new fruit are starting to appear. The Lord says, you'll never look to man to be your strength or your support. You will lean into me. You'll be known as a man of the Spirit, a man of faith, a man who carries the mantle of God into people's lives. Healing, restoring, rebuilding. Many marriages will be repaired as you pray and speak into lives. Many people who've lost financially shall be restored. The areas that were stolen from you, I will more than replenish, says the Lord. And in those areas, you will carry authority. Where you carry shame, you will carry authority, says the Lord. Where you were humiliated, you shall stand in honor, says the Lord. You will be drawn upon because you have something to give in those areas. The places that were the furnace will become the place of birthing, says the Lord. The places that cause such grief and sorrow will be the places where you'll turn them into a well. But surely, says the Lord, blessed is the man whose strength is in me who embraces the pilgrimage and process of change, who passes through the valley of tears and makes it into a well. They go from strength to strength, every one in Zion appearing before God, and the reign of God fills their lives. Come Holy Spirit right now. Come upon Him right now. Come Holy Ghost. We command healing a total restoration in your body. I command restoration in your finances. I command restoration in your ministry. I command restoration of honor. I command restoration of favor in Jesus' name. I release you to your new season. Spirit of God, come on him. Fire of God, come on him right now. Touch, touch, touch. Fire of God, come right now. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fall upon Him powerfully, powerfully, powerfully in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Whoa, feel that presence on you right now. Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'll do a freaking rule. Okay. Uh, where we go? Where we go? This guy here. Come. Okay, so come stand over here. Thank you, Lord. Put your hand on my hand, just like, just like that. Right. Thank you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit, come touch his life. Come touch his life. Touch his life. Touch his life. There's great potential in you that needs to be unlocked. It's just, it just you've needed fathering. You need someone to come and speak into you who believes in you, who will stand with you, will help you get over some of the things that you walked through. When you were young, you went through a whole lot of hardships and real real difficult seasons emotionally and it affected what's happened in your life it affected your confidence more than anything god says i'm raising you up as a leader i'm raising you up as one who will shepherd and care for people raising you up as one who's going to speak into the lives and hearts of people but this is a season where you'll you'll start to receive 
revelation of fatherhood. You start to receive value into your life. There's going to become seasons of healing out of the presence of God. Out of that, there's coming an enlargement in your life. I see a boldness, a confidence, a new, a new lease of life. It's like entering a new season. It's like you're going to be casting off and throwing off some of the limitations you've had, the, the thoughts you've had about yourself, the lack of value of yourself. You're going to see God coming upon your life, blessing you financially, blessing you in work and ministry, blessing you and touching the works of your hands. God's hand is here for you today. Father, touch him, Holy Ghost. Come on him right now. Power of God, come on his life right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Minister to him. Minister to him. Father, I just speak to every root of rejection. I speak to the roots of grief and abandonment. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break that spirit of grief, the spirit of rejection, every fear of being abandoned. Loose in Jesus' name right now. Touch him. Release him right now. There it is. Power of God is on your son. Just receive, 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 receive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. 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 We pray for this girl here. Yeah. I met you at the door. You're carrying a little baby with you, right? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. No one would really know what you've walked through. No one would really know the things you've faced. But you've kept a childlike faith towards the Father. You kept a childlike faith towards God. You became abandoned in worship. You become abandoned to loving on God. You fell in love with Him because it's like there was such a longing to be loved in your life. And then you discovered Jesus and you have fallen in love with Him. There's like a deep passion, a deep love, and a deep abandonment. And, uh, and people don't get you. They just don't get you at all because you just bubble and exude the life of God. You bubble and exude the presence of God. God is raising you up. He's going to bring healing in your life. He's going to cause the areas where there's been emotional pain as a young girl. He's going to bring healing into those areas. You're going to begin to arise and emerge. A prophetic anointing will begin to develop and grow. Out of the times of worship, in this next season, you will have encounters, encounters with God. You just say, wow. Wow. Keep a journal. Keep a journal of the encounters. Keep a journal of what God is saying. Start to value the words that God speaks to you. You're going to find in your private times of worship, even though I, there's many pressures around because you've got a child and all the demands that brings, nevertheless, there's going to be spots where you'll have these deep encounters with God and you're going to learn to carry His presence. And you'll find your carriage presence. It won't just be in the church. It's going to be under the community as well. It's like you deceive yourself. Oh, I just want to pray for you. I, I feel God wants to touch your life. And, and people will respond. And then God touches them. And they don't know why they're crying. The passion you have, the pure heart you have before God, God is going to use that as a platform to reach and touch people. I release a prophetic mantle and anointing over your life. I activate it in Jesus' name. I take dominion over the fear of being rejected. I just break its power. I come against shame that's attached to your identity. I break it in Jesus' name. I release a freedom, the freedom of David's tabernacle over your life. Freedom to dance, to sing, to celebrate, to worship, and to be a carrier of the Spirit of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. There you go. Bless you, dear. You got a lovely spirit. <laughs> Such a sweet spirit. Praise the Lord. 
Well, there we go. We're right at the end now. Great time. I'm going to leave something for you.